Well, hey there, guys. Welcome back to my YouTube channel. Thanks for joining me here today. I wanted to do part two of this topic that I brought up uh, about uh, 10 days ago. It was about whether there's a connection between Bigfoot and dark matter and some of these paranormal phenomena that we see manifested around Bigfoot and also some of these other phenomena that we see coming from ball lightning and phenomena like that. And so in part one, I kind of argued that there's a commonality between all these phenomena because we see a lot of camera failure, battery failure, uh, effects on watches and things like that in uh, places like crop circles and around other so-called paranormal phenomena like haunted locations and uh, poltergeist encounters and also surprisingly Bigfoot. Now, a lot of people have made the argument that Bigfoot is found in, in places like this, in wild places, in forests, and so forth. And therefore, it must be a type of, you know, undiscovered forest ape that's just very good at eluding people. And other people have made the argument that this is some sort of undiscovered type of human that predates us, Homo sapiens, and uh, that we just haven't found it because there are not very many of them or they're very elusive. But I think there's another possibility here and that this is a creature that might be a type of human that has so-called paranormal abilities. At the Bailey Conference, I mentioned meeting the witness to the Drake, Colorado sightings. A, a woman with her husband that went to a location behind a cabin to look after a cabin for a friend who was out of the area. She hears these kind of screeching sounds and sounds like kids playing, so she wonders what's going on. And she goes out to look about 100 feet behind the cabin while her husband stays in the car. And she encountered these beans from their sounds, pointed a camera in the directions that the sounds are coming from, and took this photo. Now, this photo is what we refer to as a blob squatch because it's kind of ill-defined. And I think you could make an argument about it either way, that this is, in fact, a Sasquatch or... Maybe it's just sort of the image of what we expect a Sasquatch to look at, look like. I, I mean, I can't tell for sure, but she did, this is what happened. She did aim her camera in a direction that the sounds were coming from behind the cabin. That figure that you see there from their analysis later, it, its head would have been about 10 feet off the ground uh, because it would have been behind the rocks that you see there. But here's what happened next. And talking to her, it was so interesting. She began to feel a sense of disorientation and confusion, which she told me lasted for about a day and a half after the sightings. Um, the next thing that happened is her a mostly charged camera, I'm told, all of a sudden went dead. The, cam the, the batteries in her phone went dead. Uh, sounds familiar, huh? And then she felt so confused that she couldn't even find her way back to the car, which wasn't very far away. Her husband had to knock stones together to uh, allow her to uh, know which direction to go. And she was communicating on a walkie-talkie, which still worked. She told me after she charged her phone, uh, later in the day, the batteries came back to normal.
So this is something that's actually been reported around many different Sasquatch encounters. Now, I'm getting this evidence from reading these books that you can find uh, in ebook form on Amazon and other places where witnesses who don't want to be named have given their stories to authors. Now, you don't have to believe these stories, but I do. I've encountered a lot of witnesses to different types of phenomena over the decades, and the tones of these stories, whether they're in Tom Lyon's book or Rusty Wilson's books, uh, they seem very true to me. So I'm just going to go on the assumption that they're like this witness that I met at the Bailey Conference. And these witnesses, if you read these encounters, report very similar things happening. Their batteries stop working on their phones. In some cases, there are reports of eyes glowing from the Sasquatch creatures, eyes giving off light. Uh, there are reports of static electricity being felt around these Bigfoot creatures. Uh, these creatures giving off light or people seeing sort of static charges from the creatures that even after they retreat to their cars, which later don't start uh, momentarily, radios stop working, um, that these creatures give off light, which they can see in their cars. Now, these phenomena really seem to me to be very similar to what we've seen around crop circles. And as we mentioned in the previous video, what people encounter around UFO encounters, uh, ET encounters, that there's this electrical uh, interference. And as I mentioned in the previous video, we find these phenomena also around ball lightning, what are more recently called as exotic vacuum objects, according to Bob Greener and the Martin Fleischmann Memorial Project. Well, there's some other phenomena here that really start to put this together. It's the fact that people, when they see Bigfoot and see the tracks, there seems to be some sort of anti-gravity at work here. The Bigfoot often seems to glide uh, across surfaces, not just physically walk, but move so fast it actually seems like they're gliding through the forest. How would that be possible for something that is estimated to weigh between 600 to 1,000 pounds or more based on the height of the creature. I most recently encountered a description of this in a new book I was reading called Bigfoot of the Blues by Vance Orchard. It's an out-of-print book that I was able to get uh, recently. And one of the kids in there who described seeing the Bigfoot creature with his friends, they all saw it, said it actually seemed like it was gliding. You just hear this over and over again. And then if we look at the experience of Dr. Igor Bortsev, who was also at the Bailey Conference, I got a chance to talk to him. I went to his Facebook page. He described encounters when they were in this van that they've outfitted to go into these remote areas in Russia, into the mountains, the Caucasus Mountains and, and other mountain ranges, uh, that they found objects were levitating in the presence of the Bigfoot. Even cases where their engine started even when they didn't have their keys in the ignition. These phenomena, it's just the same thing over and over again. You could argue against it, but I'm just gonna say that there's just so much evidence here. Same people, no, these people have no reason to make this up. They're not even giving their names in many cases. Uh, these are linked to dark matter types of physics. 
uh, in this really wonderful book that I recently read that Bob Greenier translated from Dr. Alexander Parkamov from Moscow State University, who studied neutrinos, cold neutrinos, and dark matter called space-time human. And he kind of links what goes on in space to what happens on the Earth to what happens to us right here. Uh, when you get large quantities of these dark matter objects coming in, he argues from space, he gives examples in Russia where they've had this spontaneous levitation uh, happen in buildings where things just all of a sudden go up to the ceiling and fall down again, building comes out of its structure, people briefly levitated, things like this. So if we put all this together, what it suggests is that there are types of beings on the earth that we can't necessarily see all the time, but it doesn't mean they're not there. And if they've been here for a long time, I would imagine it would just be part of nature's evolution to allow them to start using some of the energetic and physics properties that we find around us. And some of that has to do with dark matter. Now, dark matter is this subject that physicists say, astrophysicists say has to exist because if you look at the rotation of galaxies, they're rotating way too fast for the amount of matter that you find there. And dark matter has to outweigh regular matter that we can see by uh, a factor of hundreds to one. There's just a tiny percent of physical matter that we can see. The dark matter is almost uh, 30, 40% of all the matter. And we're not even getting to dark energy. That's another topic. But there's just a lot more dark matter than physical matter. And that would imply that there's a lot more life around us than we can see. And it wouldn't surprise me if Bigfoot and other creatures, which are referred to as cryptids, over millions of years of evolution had found a way to use dark matter processes. And that's why we can experience them gravitationally. That's why you would get levitation and other strange effects around Bigfoot and other sorts of encounters that people have with the so-called paranormal. We also get these sort of anti-gravity effects, as I mentioned in the previous video, from these exotic vacuum objects, this ball lightning. When people are around ball lightning, all sorts of interesting effects happen, some of them having to do with levitation and anti-gravity. So what I would argue here is really quite simple, and I think that's really what you want from science, right? You want to simplify things rather than make things more complicated. I think we're dealing with the same processes and we know from the research that ball lightning can have a dark mode. It can have a cloaking mode where it's around and you can't see it. It won't affect uh, light. Light will just pass through it. In other cases, it seems to be glowing. But it's not glowing because it's giving off heat. It's glowing because it is a type of coherent matter. And that's really what this is all about. If coherent states of matter exist and they interact with other forces in the universe that we normally don't see and can't interact with directly like dark matter, they would have abilities to do things like levitation, like having cloaking abilities, uh, like having telepathic abilities that we see as 
uh, supernatural, but really just might be a form of science that we don't understand uh, very well yet. And I think it's necessary to point out one of my favorite books here, The Invention of Science by David Wooten, a book that is really worth going through several times, is that all new types of science in the past have always been considered supernatural. Even vacuum spaces were considered supernatural at one point. They weren't considered to be something that science could accept because Aristotle said that it was impossible. And even people that believed in vacuum spaces in the, in the Renaissance, early scientific period of discovery, uh, didn't think light could pass through vacuums. So they didn't think vacuums could exist. But we all deal with vacuum spaces every day. Vacuums in bottles. When you open up something you've bought from the store, sometimes you can feel that the air has been pulled out of it. It's not supernatural anymore. So I would argue that a lot of what we consider to be supernatural, it may be really strange by our standards, but what we do now would have been considered strange by people hundreds of years ago. Uh, case in point, meteorites. Well, we all, I think most of us, accept the idea that meteorites can come down from the skies, from the heavens, from way out there. But this wasn't considered real a couple hundred years ago. Meteorites were considered an impossibility. People thought at the time when these meteor showers would happen that it had to be uh, lightning hitting stones and driving them in the sky, or perhaps volcano stones, you know, stones falling from volcanoes. So the point is that new ideas are going to seem really strange until you put all the theory and the evidence together and it can take a while to make sense of, but this isn't anything new. New ideas like the idea that we're not the center of the universe, that we actually orbit a sun and that there's other suns out there and other galaxies and that the universe is really huge and infinite. Uh, this is the idea that people were imprisoned for in the past by the church. And now we know that the universe is really huge and even quite possibly infinite. We've talked about the idea of multiverses, infinite in more than one way. They, not just that they keep going and going, but they can keep going in different dimensions. All of these ideas at one point were considered weird. And dark matter is something that has really perplexed uh, physicists and astrophysicists for quite a while. But if dark matter phenomena are really related to anti-gravity and we see creatures around that seem to be using anti-gravity uh, that when they walk the tracks just don't seem to be gravitationally driven the same way we uh, would walk the tracks don't seem to basically space themselves the way you would expect them to uh, going uphill downhill there should be variations that you don't see if this is at work uh, this shouldn't really be surprising because our sense of knowledge is always growing. And uh, it would make sense that these phenomena that we've talked about here, crop circles, uh, UFO effects, ball lightning, Bigfoot and other cryptids seeming to be able to levitate and move in ways uh, that we don't. It would make sense that they're connected by the same phenomena. And that's my point of view on it. So I'm really curious to hear what you think about it. As always, put your comments in the box below. Uh, thanks again for being open-minded and for watching. And we'll see you in the next video. Take care for now and bye.